You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. episode nine of not another leafs podcast season two our final episode of 2020 brennan mccarthy on the mic joined by ken stapon and ken another fantastic slate of games in the world juniors yesterday i want to begin with rodion amirov paying a tribute to austin matthews ref goal signal i thought that was fantastic yeah uh mirov looked good uh the obviously the goal early that got disallowed and then layer goal sort of a tap in i thought his line in general that top line for the russian team was absolutely cooking against sweden last night and obviously breaking sweden's streak i don't have the numbers in front of me but it was something like 70 straight qualifying games something to the tune of that 54 straight preliminary round wins yeah so i gave them a little extra credit but that's insane Do you Dating think about that? Oh six. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I, I was gonna say that's basically 15 years. Yeah, not losing a game in the group stage. You're up against tough teams in that. Like, obviously, there's gonna be some cupcake games. You're gonna beat, you know, the Austrias and Belarus. the Germanys. Yeah, and the Kazakhstans and all those sort of tier teams that we were talking about in the last pod. But you're gonna have to beat as well the Czech Republics and the Finlands and the Russias and the Canadas. Just such an impressive streak for Sweden. The caveat for that is that oftentimes they haven't had the success in the medal rounds once they get through the qualifying stage. So maybe uh, it was just time for them. The Russians obviously came out, played a very tenacious game led by their captain and Rodion Amarov and very impressive win for Team Russia. And then we'll make them feel good heading into the next round. Yes, I really got a better look at Abramov, too. I thought he was uh, really skating well, uh, aggressive, really chippy. I mean, Russia and Sweden, it's always a dance, a feisty, feisty, chippy affair, and down to the wire. I mean, I was just glued to the couch. I was trying to go get more Cracker Jacks, but I'm like, I can't leave. And every time I left, I would miss a goal. So I'm like, I'm staying for OT. And, of course, dying seconds, it's it's heroics once again. And, you know, the the Russians, I know they lost 2-0 to the Czechs, but they're still a big, big threat. And... We're recording this on December 31st, New Year's Eve, Sweden and U.S. They're the nightcap tonight, and that's going to be big too, top spot in Group B. Yeah, it's a it's a huge game for them. The Canadians also with a huge game today against Finland, so oh, yeah. it'll be a chock full, chock full day of hockey for, for fans, a couple of quality games, something to look forward to. The Finns in particular as well, if you want to talk about Maple Leaf draft picks, I've been so impressed by Topi Niemela's play so far this tournament and i know a lot of his points have been generated from the point 
either on just seeing eye wrist shots or slap shots that get deflected in. So then you get the primary assist or so be it. But I've been so impressed with his play. I think he's been by my, for my money, one of the best defensemen in the tournament so far. He is, I believe he's still the top uh, defenseman in points uh, with six, two goals, four assists. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not anything flashy. You're not going to see a bunch of his, you know, plays in the high, in a highlight reel, but he's definitely making an impact for, for Finland. And, you know, Finland's going to drive Canada a little crazy, I'm sure, because it's going to be their first true test. I mean, we've had this game circled since the beginning of the tournament. And like you said, a lot of good pieces like Niemela, Hirvonen, and who's the other guy? Anton Lundell. So Lundell has Lundell been, has been fantastic. Unreal. He's fantastic a lot in this podcast. I'm going to stop. That three's enough. Yeah. Yeah, Lundell has been outstanding so far in the tournament for Finland. And I don't think that there's really any any outcome that isn't going to see these two teams again in the semifinals playing for their right to play for the gold against whoever the champion is of group a, is that it? I'm going to get the groups confused here, but I believe uh, that the Canadians and the Finns are in group B Uh, regardless, whoever wins this game, I think it's going to be a rematch then in the semifinals. And that's good news for hockey fans because these two teams seem very well matched. And to be quite honest, just as big of a matchup for the Finns who have also just kind of skated through the group, not by as big of a margin at times, but they did beat Slovakia much more handily than the Canadians did. So it's just going to be such a good matchup, something that we've really, like you said, circled on the calendar and can look forward to as the first true test for both of these great hockey nations. It'll actually be the battle for top spot in group A. Canada and Finland just okay, so, so some they, mud on Twitter doesn't correct you <laughs> yeah thank you I never and the group's correct no that's fair and the first game of the triple header yesterday Kenny we were talking before we started recording the best game by the Swiss by far I mean they almost tied it up thank God the Germans had that little insurance empty netter because the Swiss were flying and I thought it was almost kind of tacky at the end how they just get like swiss watches as like a consolation it's like yeah good job like you made it pretty close obviously you're 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 an underdog team but here's here's a here's a watch and uh you know enjoy uh enjoy the amenities at whatever hotel you're staying at it's like if the canadians were playing in the czech republic and then lost and then they gave them like a jar of maple syrup yeah exactly like canadian maple syrup you're like, dude, I don't need this. Like, we just lost the game. Yeah. Now for the Swiss, it means that they get relegated out of the tournament. The Germans will continue to play again next year. Now, whether they have success without their stud, Tim Stutzel, or Stutzler, Stutzler. rather, if um, he was not allowed to play, which likely I think that he's going to be locked in with the big club at that point, judging by his play in this tournament, he's been absolutely outstanding. But like giving the Swiss a Swiss watch, just seems like they probably already have like 10 at home. I know. Like, <laughs> and they don't you can need, just tell they're like, they don't oh, need another like one. Three of these. Yeah. Great. Thanks. <laughs> like we're, we're uh, going to get, give us an army knife too. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I don't need it. Yeah. It's a, it's a little much, but those are, I mean, unreal watches. I will say. Of course. I'd yeah. I love one of those. Hint, I would, hint, I would love in three months. Yeah. Yeah. I would love a Swiss watch. Don't get me wrong. But also, I'd love a chance to compete in the qualifi- qualifying round. Speaking of the Swiss, though, speaking of the Swiss, though, another standout from the tournament a couple of years ago, Nico Hischer announcing that he's going to be out for training camp with the Devils. So 
just a little tie there to some NHL moves. Uh, sticking in the North Division, though, your team, the Sens, are making some moves. They signed Derek Stepan, and then also they make a trade with the Tampa Bay Lightning to bring in Coborn and Paquette. And they send, and I believe a second round pick as well is coming their way. And basically, they sent dead money the other way. They sent Marion Gabrick the other way, who I didn't even realize was still under contract in the NHL, to be quite honest. That was the biggest surprise of this trade for me. I just feel that the Sens are just, it's just patchwork at this point. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to bring in some, some veteran pieces and, you know, players who have, have gone the distance and want to chip. But, at this point, it it won't do much in terms of of propelling Ottawa to the to the top. I mean, it's it's really it seems like they're they're trying to embrace the rebuild, but also retool on the fly. You know, so it it's it's a kind of an odd odd situation that they're in. You know, like it, both the Habs and 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 Sens realize like yes, we're we're two of the lower tier teams in this North Division, but if you want to compare the two, I think the Habs have done a much better, a much better job in the off season in terms of acquiring good additions. I'm going to look at this from a perspective that we have to understand who the Senator's owner is. And that is Eugene Melnick and Eugene Melnick is a notorious cheapskate who absolutely despises spending money on anything that he doesn't have to spend money on, particularly players who are not going to play in his lineup. So when you look at him having to pay Marion Gabrick, who is still like on his payroll, pulling up his um his what he was getting paid right now off his cap friendly, and then you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are in a situation where they're completely up against the cap. Gabrick's contract is just shy of five million bucks a year, right? And then when you look at the Lightning, who are in cap trouble down there and need to dump some salary, the IR obviously doesn't hurt them. They can just place that and as dead money. You the, For the Senators, you get two players who are going to come in and at least be able to play in your lineup. I don't think they expect Paquette or Coburn to be impact players for the franchise, but both of them are signed at just shy of $2 bucks for just one year on the contract. So, And they get a second-round pick in return. This is basically Dorian playing into his owner's hands and helping, well, throwing a big bone to the Tampa Bay Lightning to help them out of cap trouble. Like, I don't think that you do this if you're in their division this season, but this is another fallout. You don't have to play the Lightning, so you don't have to worry about them being cap compliant this year necessarily. You don't have to worry about that sort of stuff. Obviously, Kucherov, it looks like, is going to be going on the IR for the Lightning as well as he's likely going to be out for the entire regular season, at least, with having surgery on his hip, I believe. So this is a big, like, thank you very much. We'll take the second-round pick an extra million bucks in our bank for the owners. We'll get two players who are serviceable in our NHL lineup. And then that that's it. I don't think they expect either of them to be difference makers. It's purely a financial transaction and like toss us another pick so we can continue to rebuild for the future. And their longtime serving goaltender, now former goaltender, Craig Anderson signed a PTO with the Washington Capitals. Of course, yeah, it's no surprise of, of Henrik Lundqvist sitting out for the season due to a heart condition. So obviously the Capitals are trying to fill the void in net. They're getting a great veteran consummate pro, as you like to say, in Craig Anderson. And hopefully he can he can still give a little oomph left to this uh to this squad. The the Northern Division winner odds were released yesterday too, Kenny. Right now the Leafs are plus one ninety to win the division. Edmonton 
in close second with plus 300. Do you want to guess what the worst odds were? <laughs> so, uh, I actually didn't see this. This is a fun opportunity. Plus 2000. Yeah, I was, I was, gonna, I was actually going to guess plus 1800. <laughs> So I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't that far off, yeah, but yeah, the, you figure it was going to be something around that 20 to one, basically. Yowza. Yeah. I like those that's, odds. That's though. no surprise. Yeah. I, I, I throw a, I throw a fiver on that. So maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Chris see. Five. Yeah. See if you can get paid out on the end. Listen, Ottawa is not expected to compete. Although I do like a lot of the moves that they've made, including like, I don't mind the move of bringing in Stepan. I mean, it's, you have to like, you basically recoups the pick by making this trade with Tampa Bay. Because everybody's like, oh, why do you give up a second round pick for Derek Stepan? You know, he's a bona fide, at least number two center in the NHL. He's serviceable. You do need some veteran guys in the room to help out the younger guys a little bit. So I don't mind him. I don't mind his contract, really. It's not like you're overpaying for him necessarily. And it's, he's in the last year of his deal. So you, you can just walk away from it at the end of the year, or you can come to him and say, Hey, here's a couple of bucks. You know, we want, we want you to play a second or third line role for us moving forward. What do you think about it? I think the outrage was coming from the communities just because they're like, well, why would you give up a second round pick for this guy? But then the, the logic is very sound when you see the Dorian go and cash in on a second round pick coming back from Tampa Bay. So basically you got, you got acquired Derek Stepan. You acquired Coborn and Paquette in for Marion Gabrick. Essentially, essentially, is like essentially is what you got, and that's not like I, honestly, it's been a masterclass. I think uh, by Pierre Dorian in this whole rebuild process. Like, and, and Senators fans hated it when they were had when Carlson wasn't resigning, but that contract doesn't look too good in San Jose. Although I expect a bounce back season, Mark Stone should have been wearing the C for this organization, but obviously he wasn't happy. You have to fl- trade him out. You end up bringing back fair compensation, including uh, the top prospect in the Vegas Golden Knights farm system in Brandstrom. Like, he's been, he's done an amazing job at parlaying his assets that he has into draft picks and into draft capital and to younger, younger talent who's going to be able to help them in the future. This team is going to be an absolute powerhouse in about two, three, four years. And you mentioned Marion Gabrick too, probably one of the lone hockey talents to emanate from Slovakia. But then it got me thinking, of course, Dan O'Chara as well. He is, uh, he's from Slovakia. Marion Hosa. Marian Hosa as well. Thank you very much. But I wanted to center in on Big Z because that kind of came out a bit of a shock to me yesterday, how he signed a one-year deal just under a million with the Washington Capitals. But in his statement on Instagram, it was clear that, you know, Boston wanted to move forward with their younger core and younger group. And obviously Char is 43 and he's been an invaluable piece for for Boston for over what, can you 14 years? He's, he's got a cup. You know, he won the Norris in 09. I think it came out a bit of a shock for him. I think in a perfect world, Char wanted to to retire a Bruin and 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 finish his career there. But I know one person, or sorry, I know 15 guys who are thrilled to have Big Z, and that's the Capitals, because they don't have to try and get around him on the ice anymore. They're, they'll have him on his back end. He, he can still provide, I think, a boost for that team on a reduced workload, reduced shifts, and... I'm sure he'll he'll have one last uh, one last go at it, and I don't think he he'll surpass 45 and 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 still be playing hockey. But well, another legendary Boston sports star 
yep. leaves. Like you look at Brady leaving at the beginning of the NFL season. Now Big right. leaves. He's been the one, one of the mainstays, one of the members of the core of this franchise forever. And can I just say, like, as a fan of the Maple Leafs, I'm pissed off about this, that Big Z is leaving and like on the year that we're not going to play them at all. And like Kucherov is sitting out the season in the year that we're not in the lightning division. That's it's so like, this is, like, give me a break. Like, like how crappy luck, how much crappy luck can this franchise get? But what Chara has meant to the Bruins organization is like, you can't even, I can't even articulate it right now. He's been the face of the franchise, worn the sea for as long as I can remember. And like, when you look at just the effect that he has on the group, it gives the team confidence knowing that you have a guy that size that even at his age, if he drops him, he's still going to be able to destroy 95% of the league in a fight. And the guys that, that could, at, you know, honestly fight Chara, like probably have enough respect for him and his career at this point. Like Ryan Reeves probably isn't going to necessarily go after Chara and try to drop the gloves. Because you have a respect for a guy who's 43, who's been doing this forever, and like he just doesn't want to do it anymore. But the threat is always there. It just changes the look of your team. And I think they're going to absolutely love this guy in Washington. He, necessarily, he's going to need a much more sheltered role. They can get him to play maybe, you know, 14, 15 minutes a night, some on the penalty kill where it's just, you know, a little bit more relaxed. You know, you put him in on the defensive zone faceoffs, try to limit his minutes. I think the shortened schedule will help Chara a lot as well. But I was just as surprised as you to see this. I thought that they would, that the Bruins would try to get something done, albeit just for one year, like a league minimum, basically the same contract they ended up getting in Washington. But obviously the Boston Bruins are privy to details that maybe you and I aren't privy to, and maybe his health is on the decline, obviously at 43, I think you said 43 years old, 43, 43 years old. He's seen quite a few winters and the body starts to wear down when you play the style of game that Zdeno Chara has played for the majority of his career. It would have been nice to see him retire as a Bruin for Chara's sake. And who's to say that won't happen in the future. You know, you see this all the time where they sort of sign like a little, one day contract or whatever at the end of right. their career so that they like what can... Alfie did. Yeah, exactly. So well, anyways, this is and... surprising news, but like uh, all the good luck to big Z in Washington. Cause he's had a tremendous, tremendous career and I have so much respect for him. Albeit I hate, I hated like playing against him when your team's playing against him, you hate him. And that's the Testament of a really good player. Well, he used to drive Phil Kessel and Joffrey Lupel up the wall in those 2013 <laughs> playoffs. But you ask any player in the NHL, say, who is the toughest and most fit player in the NHL? Zidane Ochara. Like, apparently, he's just an absolute health nut. And, I mean, if you got a guy who, who like, there's some guys in the NHL who, who are just good scrappy fighters, but they're not exactly, like, in perfect shape. And there's some guys but, in the NHL, like Mitch Marner, who just eat, like, penne with marinara sauce. Yeah, no veggies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, it's hates vegetables, but yeah, if you're gonna play till 43, you gotta be on a regiment to keep that body in shape. But how scary is that? Chara will keep up with you as a 43 year old, conditioning wise, and he'll knock you on your ass. Like it's it's he's and he's six nine. Like it's just the most imposing figure. I'm sure people are almost gonna be relieved when he retires because Listen, it's after after the, the mammoth bubble, out there after the bubble run as well. For the Washington Capitals, where all reports indicated that was just like they were at the country club 
they were just boozing. They were just partying at like the rooftop bar at the Royal York Hotel. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hotel. <laughs> I think that's the one they were at, not Hotel X. Um, but they were they were just buzzing around the Royal York Hotel, just like Toronto is the Toronto bubble is our oyster. They were bumming around at BMO Field, just not a care in the world. I f- it was just like, and they just got absolutely rocked. I and find that so like, funny. all right, so like they're like, all right, see you later. Like we're out of here. And, and like the organization was like, what the hell is going on? Reardon gets fired almost immediately after they bring in Peter Laviolette. And I think this is another area that Chara can help to stabilize is obviously he's going to have a voice in the room immediately. And they have a ton of leadership in that room already. I think they just sort of lost their way a little bit after they won the cup. And if they can get it back on the rails, then they're going to have an opportunity to goaltending dependence to take another run at this thing. I find that so funny with, with the bubble. Like, well, I like remember when Braden point scored in like <laughs> fifth, fifth overtime. Imagine like seeing like, who did they beat? Who did they beat in the fifth overtime? Was it the Islanders? Oh, I forget. So yeah, Braden Point, you all remember the the fifth overtime winner. Next day or like that night, you see like you know the opposing player at like the library bar or some equivalent or like the buffet. Like I remember when when Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell went down to the wire in, in one of their playoff games, and later Jamal Murray posting a video of Donovan Mitchell just sitting outside at like a patio table. Like it just be so bizarre. Like it's like there's no like cause you're all in the same little bubble and you have to see each other even after like a hard fought win or a big scrap or something i've it was the it was the blue jackets blue jackets by the blue jackets sorry yeah thank you yeah with your boy carpasolo i believe it was uh yeah he had 87 saves or 85 saves in in that matchup so but you should should have had the one in the fifth overtime you know that's one you gotta have braden point yeah i can't the whole bubble thing is just hilarious to me as well like just everybody just buzzing around like how often would you have an opportunity just to be seeing other players that you would inherently be playing in the future, just hanging out in the exact same area for that extended period of time. Yeah. It's like Pasternak absolutely undresses you for the game winner. And you just see him like going into his room. It's just like, Hey, we'll see you tomorrow for game three. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's not even the playoffs yet. And it's like Matthews Crosby and Bergeron all having like a cocktail at the library bar, social just distancing. Just mucking it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's, oh, a, it's, it, 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 it's such a bizarre sight. Speaking of another legend of the game, Ryan Callahan, a legendary captain of the New York Rangers, also had a short stint with the Lightning towards the end of his career. The Lightning and the Rangers seem to always just be trading players back and forth, but that's besides the point. We'll get into that at, at a later date. Uh, Ryan Callahan later hanging him up. Date. Later date. It's, I'm serious, man. Like if you look at their trade history, like McDonough, Girardi, oh, yeah. Marty, Marty St. Louis they just swap. going back up there, Ryan Callahan coming down. Like they've got a real good relationship. And throw throw Phoenix into the mix too. Or Arizona. <laughs> they they like to kind of mix in there too. Arizona just <laughs> likes to mix up with anybody they can dump salary to. If you're down to <laughs> yeah, take teacher. Arizona's contracts, then they're like, yeah. you, Yes, yeah, yes. Well, we can we can definitely make that work. We can help you. Growing up in the tri-state area. Yeah. I watched a lot of New York Rangers games. And I had a lot of friends who were New York Rangers fans. This guy, while he was like the captain of the Rangers, was the heartbeat of this organization. Like you think of a player like uh, Brendan Gallagher is in Montreal, drives the drives the Habs. You think of like in the older days, like Darcy Tucker, like energy driver for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This was the kind of player that Ryan Callahan was. 
And when he was injured or when he was out of the lineup for some reason, the team looked lethargic. The team was not the same. Just such an impressive player, so important off the ice, his leadership, his conduct. He would go into the corners. He'd get gritty. He wasn't necessarily going to find the score sheet every night, but he found a way to put his stamp on the game and influence the game every time he was out there. And you could see the difference in the team's performance, as I stated before, when he was on the ice versus when he was out of the lineup for some reason. Such an impressive career for Ryan Callahan. Congratulations on his formal retirement. I know everybody was like, this was expected as he, I don't believe he played at all last season, but just so such an impressive player. One of the best leaders for me that I've ever had the privilege of watching play the game. And yeah, it's what he's, what he meant to the New York Rangers organization. I, I would not be surprised if his number was one day raised into the rafters at the garden. Hey, well, in the regular season, you earn your paycheck. In the playoffs, you earn a reputation. And Ryan Callahan definitely, definitely did. And I agree, Kenny. I think you'll, in in the not so distant future, we're going to see his his jersey number raised in the Raptors at Madison Square. What an honor! Should we get to that library bar or what? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. So I'm rolling with Becky Hammond. She became the first woman to serve as a head coach after Pop was ejected. So I think that's a great moment in sports history and for equality. And of course, she is just such a well-rounded coach. I mean, you can just see, I mean, I caught a bit of the Spurs game or caught a bit of the highlights, I should say. And she has those guys locked like Pop does. And she's not afraid to just lay into them. For her to step in and take over his role, obviously you have to have a big voice to even get to her position. She has to have twice the voice that any man has. And I'm not saying that that's right. And you're dealing with Pop too. It's so, it's so, so difficult. And to like, to show like what her credibility is, like you're not going to be playing under Greg Popovich or coaching under Greg Popovich unless like you know exactly what's going on. For her to get to this point in her career has been extremely impressive and hopefully it paves the way for other organizations to consider other applicants who are women because it's not like the intellect of the game is has nothing to do with, you know, your body size or anything like that. It's like there's brilliant minds that aren't being underutilized and I think that for her to make the stamp like this and ultimately just to check off another box, it's going to give hope to the next generation and hopefully to this generation of ownership to take that next step. Uh, I'm going with Stan Bowman. So Stan has had a very difficult, difficult off season. Obviously they give the okay to Kirby doc to go and play at the world junior championships. You know, he ends up breaking his wrist or having to have surgery on his wrist out for four to five months. So that's a nightmare. That's the nightmare for these general managers who decide to let their players go to these sorts of tournaments. And then you end up missing out on them for four to five months for the regular season. So basically the year is going to be a wash for him. If he is able to come back, it's going to be probably too late in the season where you might get a couple squeeze a couple of games in, but Chicago certainly isn't expected to be contending for a playoff spot, especially after the news that in addition to missing doc for this amount of time, 
it looks like Jonathan Taves is also going to be missing time out of the Chicago Blackhawks lineup with a medical issue. Now it's like, they're still trying to sort of figure it out. They've been very vague about the details, but it seems like Taves has been some serious, serious or having some serious health issues. And, you know, they made a release where, you know, Taves was sort of saying, you know, I wish I could be with the team, but we have to figure this out. Bowman saying, you know, our player, our star players health is obviously the most important thing, but man, has this been a tough run for the Blackhawks organization after they had a pretty impressive playing round against the Edmonton Oilers who figure maybe they're thinking they have a chance to compete or that they can sort of start to retool on the fly a little bit here and maybe take another run at it, but they aren't having any of the chips falling their way, at least to this point in the regular season. And it looks like it's going to be another lost season for the Blackhawks. So Stan's going to be sitting back looking in the, looking in the mirror, his reflection at the library bar, trying to figure out whether he needs to just tear this thing down or whether it's you know feasible to try to main, keep you know a couple of these aging stars they has on his team, a lost season but not a lost decade. I'm sure the Blackhawks are are sitting okay right now with three three cups in their back pocket. You, you trade anything for three cups, anything like you trade 20 years of ineptitude for three cups, and that's where they are right now. The question for Bowman is is like what do you do with Taves and Kane? What do you do with Keith? What do you do with Seabrook? I, I mean, obviously, Kane's the only one of the four of them that has a real, real value. I feel like you could find a partner maybe that had some salary cap open that would, like, for example, like the Ottawa Senators. You don't think that they wouldn't love having Jonathan Taves come in there and lead their group for the next couple of years? Absolutely, they would. Like, that would be outstanding for them. But that, then you've got the Chicago fans who are, you know, going to be like that Simpsons mob with the pitchforks and the pitchforks and the torches and everything coming to Stan Bowman's house because he's traded away their two franchise players. But you have to consider it at this point, don't you? That would be, that would, I think, turn the world upside down if that happened. Although I can kind of picture Taves in the Sens jersey, funnily enough. Yeah, probably because it's just like the their reverse retros (laughs) are are just red. I'm picturing Blackhawks jersey. He could, he could rock it. Yeah, with the the original Sens vintage logo. I love that logo. Yeah, I I got I I gotta say it's one of my favorite logos in the league. It's great. I'm happy that it's back. I thought that they royally screwed it up when they started changing to the weird, you know, Centurion, you know, 3D guy that just like looked like he was constipated. Yeah, I I hated that. I also didn't like the 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 Habs stripes like third jersey. I think they like. They repped that like in like 09, 10, and they didn't really bring it back. But it just, it's too much. It's jarring for the eye. It's jarring for the, the for the viewer. Well, <laughs> yeah, this, I get, this I is, this is probably going to be, well, it, it depends what people want to do with today. It, it, is it going to be a, a hectic uh, New Year's or are people going to be in bed by 11? I think the latter. You think it's going to be uh, in bed by 11? Well, <laughs> well hopefully they stay up till 12. Hopefully. I want to ring in. Like, this is the start of a new decade. Sure, it's not, it got off to a rough start, but... Isn't the new decade 20? Or does it start at 1? I think last year was the start of the new decade. Well, we're into the new decade. Yeah, well, since I I'm, I think they are incorrect about it being a new decade, but... but <laughs> yeah, we're in the, we're in the wait, 2020s. Wait, wait. It's a new decade. Yeah, we were into the 2020s last year when it was 2020. This is 2021. Okay, but we're into the 20s. All right, like, all right. I, yeah. We, I we think, entered... 
I'm I'm working tonight until I'm just gonna. This is like when like that this is like when Lowry and and remember that like Lowry DeRozan like post game presser when he's like, I guess DeRozan was hard on himself for dropping 37 and Lowry's like you had 37. He's like I know, but like and they just like they're like an old couple fighting back and forth. That's how I feel with you right now, Ken. Jesus. Yeah, best friends. Yeah, best friends forever. Well, happy New Year to all, and here's hoping we can be back in stadiums in 2021 or 2022 2022 yeah 2022, well maybe maybe, yeah. maybe yeah maybe at the end tail end of 2021 uh, the canadian government's pretty strict i feel like they'll be loosening up in the states hopefully if everything goes according to plan by that point happy new year and we'll catch you next time